You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Our guest today, director Anthony Fabian's new film, Skin, is based on the true story of Sandra Lang, black girl born to two white Afrikaner parents unaware of their black ancestry in South Africa during the apartheid era. Fabian has produced and directed five short films, four hour-long documentaries, and over a dozen classical music programs through his company, Elysian Films. Skin is screening at the Santa Ana South Coast Village Theaters and in Los Angeles at the Landmark Theater. Anthony Fabian, welcome to Film School. Thank you very much. And how are you today? Not too bad at all. Not very, too bad. Very Just good. recovering from my two-week stint of promotion in the States for oh. the U.S. release. Well, that, that must have been exhausting. How, how was it going for you there? Were you, uh, was it a, a warm, warm welcome over here in the States? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think the film does resonate for people. Um, as you say, it's set in South Africa, but I think it has a lot of uh, parallels with not so, um, not so long ago in U.S. history, and, um, and certainly with a lot of the issues that are being debated with uh, a biracial president and the whole question of uh, the politics of racial identity, I think, are very much to the fore at the moment. Yes, well, I saw where it, the film was held over uh, a, a couple of theaters here in Southern California, which is absolutely. obviously good news. Yes, no, we've we've done quite well. Um, I think what we're struggling with, of course, now is the onslaught of Juggernaut Precious, uh, which uh, is such a spectacular film and uh, is doing so incredibly well. And uh, as it's opening round about where we are <laughs> kind of sucks the oxygen out of the room yeah. wherever it goes um so we're hoping that we'll survive uh, long enough to to hold uh you know and that many of the people who are going to see precious will also come and see skin yeah, i think that's the way it will work it's it's uh that's the way things usually work over here in the states it's p- people fear there's going to be competition but the competition usually ends up being good Yes, yeah. well, I, I think, you know, most people want to see more than one movie. <laughs> yeah, yes. the, the, I, I, there you go. I think that's absolutely right. This sort of uh, idea that you sort of lock in, I can only see one movie in the next, uh, you know, two months is, uh, yeah. is just wrong. Yeah. Where it becomes difficult for us is that, um, you know, the movie theaters uh, yeah. put an enormous amount of pressure on the movies, and they don't let you stay unless you are mm-hmm. earning your keep. So if a movie comes in and sucks up all the audience on that particular weekend and makes your film look as though it's not doing so well, mm-hmm. then, you know, they're not given the chance to go the following weekend, weekend and check your film out. So yeah, that, that's why it becomes yeah. difficult. It is. The, the, those three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, yeah. are, are so incredibly important. And how many films, you know, going even back recently, uh, Little Miss Sunshine would have mm-hmm. never, I mean, if somebody gave it a chance, but generally yeah. those films do not get much of a chance. No. And... Uh, well, I hope yours does. As I, I know you. it's rolling out across the country. Uh, and, um, well, it seems like yeah. a perfect film for the holiday season, too, to me. I, I, you know, that's I hope so, yeah, because it really is a family story more than anything else. Yes. And, um, you know, it's suitable for, for kids. It's PG-13, um, so, and it's, you know, not violent and all these other things. <laughs> so, and, and can I, I say that, that, that I think that the title, it just says so much. Mm. Um, about the story and the story that you're and the and the lesson of it, which yeah. is really it's skin. 
Yeah. It is our skin. It's not. Yeah. Well, you, you had a little bit of a, of a controversy with the title, though. Isn't that true? Well, I've had, I've had certain, um, certain, certain people don't like it. They think it sounds pornographic. Um, I think that's quite a good thing um, myself. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to get people into the theaters. Um, but, you know, as I've explained, it doesn't take very long to realize that it isn't a porn movie. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, I think it does, as you say, sum up what it's about, that, you know, the thing that stood between her and, and her fate was the color of her skin. And that seems such an arbitrary and, and bizarre way to, um, to decide, you know, what your prospects are in life. Well, let's take a second. Just describe the the the, the basic outlines of the film. I I I'm, I don't like giving too much away when we talk about these films, but uh, well, it, how did you run into to okay. uh, Sandra Lang's story? I mean, this must have been a out of the blue shot for you to first hear about this. It certainly was. Uh, it was in the year two thousand, which was the year that she first um, reunited with her mother again after a long separation, and um, the BBC. Uh, did an interview with her on, on the radio, which I heard, um, just as I imagine some people are listening to this now. Um, and that um, that started me on the path. I found the story completely compelling. I found, I found the genetics of it really fascinating. And I was very, very moved by um, the dynamic within that family and the things that they had had to go through, because every single member of that family, in the end, did suffer. Um, and uh, they sat on the fault lines of a system, a crazy, almost science fiction system. Now, I, w I was not even aware of uh, what I think it was called uh, polygenetic, polygenetic inheritance. Polygenetic inheritance, yes. yes. Uh, I, I had no idea that a, a, a black child could be born to, to or, or vice versa, I suppose, yes. too. To well, absolutely. I mean, well, we, well, we, all know that, we know that genes often skip. Uh, generations we've all experienced that you know whether it's suddenly two brown-eyed parents give birth to a blue-eyed child and you wonder you know where did those blue genes come from uh, blue-eyed genes come from and you know it's from great-great-grandmother who was from Finland um, mm -hmm. and the same thing can happen with skin color except that it's more complicated because it's more than just two genes involved in the color of your skin it's 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 a polygenetic trait m multiple genes yeah. and um so it's a little bit like if you imagine a palette uh on an, uh, an artist's palette where you've got you know white on one side and black on the other and somewhere in the middle the more black you add the more you know the the the, the blacker it goes but it starts with gray and those parents basically had enough black genes each, probably about a quarter, to contribute to their child without it being visible in them. Okay. And, you know, their own parents, we don't know everything about. We, we don't actually know what, what Sandra's father's mother looked like. And um, there were rumors about, you know, ancestors in her mother's line as well. But as soon as somebody passed for white in that society, then it was swept under the carpet. So it was very, very quick that, you know, the black ancestry becomes erased. Well, I, I fear we've, we've kind of leapfrogged a little bit. Yeah. Well, this is the broad audience, uh, so our audience understands. This is a story mm -hmm. of, a, uh, of a young girl, Sandra yeah. Lang. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So Sandra was born black to two white Africana parents, um, uh, and they didn't know they had black ancestry. She was what was um, what's termed a genetic throwback. So somewhere in her ancestry... There were black relatives, um, but 
her own parents and possibly her grandparents appeared white. Um, there was no trace of those black ancestors in them. And um, and then there's the, an incident in the film which really triggers all of this. And well, that's in right. They 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 were living in the rural areas and they were shopkeepers serving the local black community. But at a certain point, they had to send her to grown-up school, and they sent her to the local all-white boarding school. And uh, before long, she was reclassified by the state as a different color and expelled from the school because, at that time in South Africa, all people were classified according to race and where they could go to school, what what bench they could sit on, you know, what shop they could enter was determined by their classification. Okay, so, and this this set in motion a, a, a court case that eventually leads to uh, the, a, a judgment uh, regarding her and her yeah. ethnicity. Yeah, so and she went from, um, on her birth certificate originally, it said she was white, then the school reclassified her colored, then, then the Supreme Court... Um, decided that dissent became more important than appearance, yeah. and yeah. so she was classified white again. Yeah, it's um, a, it's and it, yeah, points to the absurdities of the whole idea of classifying people according to race. Well, there you go. It was obviously a, a flaw, a fatally flawed system to start with, and yes. then it, and then the own, uh, so its own internal absurdities became more apparent as the story unfolds. Yeah, yeah, and these, this family tested that system to the limit. Yeah. Yeah, the, the determination of uh, of Sam Neill's character and well, uh, wrong headedness, I guess, too, mm-hmm. of his character mm-hmm. just really comes through. Is it's the and the burden that it placed on on Sandra too comes true. Yeah. How how did, how did you uh, cast this film? How did those things uh, line up for you? Were these first choices for you? Well, um, Sophie certainly is one of the three or four women uh, of color, actresses of color, who mean anything in Hollywood or mean anything in terms of trying to raise money. And unfortunately, you know, the budget wasn't huge, but it was of a size where we had to have name actors of some description. So she became an obvious choice for us when she was nominated for an Oscar for Hotel Rwanda. And um, I'd originally had some concerns about whether she might be too old for the part, but she's just so incredibly youthful. And, um, and her, her acting is such that you, you really do believe her, you know, as a teenager, late mm-hmm. teens, uh, um, as she is at the start of when she comes in. But I also tried to mitigate that to some extent because the film starts with her as she is at the end of her, you know, age range, if you like. So you know she's going to end up being older than she is when you next see her, and you, you suspend disbelief a bit. Mm. Um, and she's a phenomenal, just the most phenomenal actress, and she understood it from the inside. Um, because she, you know, she's half white, half black, brought up by her white family. Her black father had um, left the family when she was five, and mm. so she really understood what it was to, to be a complete outsider in her community. Um, Sam Neill is a is a very interesting actor. I think often underrated. Um, you know, he's done over sixty movies. Uh, people probably remember him from Jurassic Park or maybe The Piano or The Tudors. But um, he's a, he's an actor of immense uh, range and commitment. And um, he uh, he was somebody who I'd worked with once before on a film called Restoration. Um, so you know, I, I remembered him from that experience 
and I had always admired him. I had some concerns that he might be a little bit too soft for the part because he, you know, he's quite a gentleman and he's quite, you know, he's he's sort of reasonable man. Um, but he certainly proved to me that he was able to uh, to pull out uh, all the stops when it came to some of Abram Lang's more irrational and un- unpleasant uh, characteristics. And we gave him this beard and these brown eyes, uh, which genetically made a bit more sense, but also I think gave him a, a kind of edgier look. Uh, there's something about his bright blue eyes that I think, you know, or disarming. They're disarming yeah. when yeah. you see them. And, and in this role, he didn't need to be disarming. He didn't need That's to be, right. Uh, uh, he's it's just, can I just say, my, my experience uh, when I've watched Sam, uh, Sam Neill, he's mm-hmm. a very solid actor. He's al- yeah. He always feel it's a, it's a very, he's, I mean, he's just a good actor. And I think mm-hmm. a, a very, very wise choice to, to have him involved in the film. And he, he does a terrific job. This is, there's very good acting in this film. I, uh, well, Alex Krieger, of, don't let's forget. Yeah, uh, I was just going to mention. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry to no, interrupt no, you. No, 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 <laughs> didn't, no, I didn't mean it that way. She's she's terrific in this, and go ahead, describe her for us all. Well, Alice um, is the only actress of her generation who actually is a real Africana um, and, and has had a career in Hollywood. Um, and um, she burst on the scene with uh, the Oscar winner Chariots of Fire, um, and went on to play um, the lead opposite uh, Richard Gere in King David, uh, the Bruce Beresford film. And um, she's done a lot of films and a huge amount of television work. Um, uh, you know, she's she's quite well known to film audiences through a film called Ghost Story and also the Trek, the Star Trek films. She's the the Borg Queen. Which, if you're a real Trekkie, yes, um, gets people very excited. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, the truth is, this is the first time she's ever managed to uh, be cast as an Africana, which is what she is. And um, I think the result is, is that she's very vulnerable and, and um, very truthful, and uh, it's a kind of unmasking of her as, a, as an actress. I'm going I'm to mention. Uh, I'm yes. going to mention an obscure role that she had, which I truly uh-huh. liked, was uh, Guy Mann's Twilight of the Ice Nymphs. She's in oh. that, and I, I'm a big Guy you got Madden. Got me there. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. I, she, I'm a huge Guy Madden fan, and and uh, she's uh, anyway. I just had yeah, she she's have... done quite a lot of horror movies, I think, uh, one uh, way or another. Yeah. She was in Silent Hill, which I think was oh. quite a successful film. She played some witch in that, and a less witch-like person you could not meet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, her experience as an Afrikaner, did she ever say, "Wait, this is a little bit wrong. What you're doing here." I mean, since she's had experience in South Africa and she's it's lived through. Well, yeah. Um, She was mostly a touchstone for the actors, I think, for the actors who were not South African, um, you know, being able to give them an immediate line reading or or advise them in terms of how characters interact across the racial divide and across the different um, class uh, divides that exist within within the story. And... um, I think she was very, we were very, very uh, respectful of the authenticity of the story in the script. And I think she was, you know, responded in kind. So it wasn't that she thought we'd got anything wrong. Once in a while, she would say things like, you know, the the line would be, your father's very ill, which is a very English way of saying things. And she would say, no, no. As an Africana, you would say, your father's very sick. Ah. We would use the word sick. So things like that, you know, yeah. she was very astute on, 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 on those That's finer nice. points. Now, yeah. I, I've got to ask this one question before we mm. let you go. Uh, it says at the end that uh, Sandra's brothers 
still mm. still refuse to yeah. see her. Mm. Why is that? Why don't they want to reunite, reunite with their sister? Well, I mean, I think you have to understand that although apartheid ended 15 years ago, a lot of the attitudes that people held uh, from that time have persisted. And I would say that uh, Sandra's brothers are unreformed, uh, that they're still racists, and that they have lived their lives in communities that are uh, extremely uh, sort of head buried in the sand. They particularly the younger brother, who also looks mixed race. And, you know, he, in a way, was proof positive to me that this was not, you know, the mother having had an affair, but but actually something in the parents' genes. Mm -hmm. He's the one who feels even more threatened by the idea of an association with Sandra because he's living with a white wife and in a white community with their white kids. And I think he feels that an association with his sister, his black sister, is somehow going to out him as a non-white person, even though it's perfectly clear to anyone who can see him uh, that he's not entirely white. And it's it's very sad and very unfortunate. Um, certainly, I hoped through including that line at the end of the film that it might provoke a response. Yeah. And the film will be released in South Africa at the end of uh, January. And I'm almost certain that there will be a kind of public outcry and there will be a, a sense that this needs to happen almost in a public forum, really, in the way that the Truth and Reconciliation Commission existed um, to, to, to bring about these, uh, these, these encounters that involved mutual forgiveness. And I think that's what needs to happen. Why, why? I hope they. I hope they do get reunited. I, I, yeah. That would be a wonderful thing to happen. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a perfect holiday film too, by the way. I want Great. to emphasize that again. Skin, Terrific. Uh, we've been speaking with Anthony Fabian. The film is Skin. Anthony, thank you so much for being part of Film School. It's been my great pleasure. To learn more about Film School, listen to more interviews, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.